the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Four o'clock hour, live from Silver 7. 77 cent Bud Lights tonight because the Golden Knights are playing. You got two different bars to hang out at. The casino floor, nice and spacious. They've upgraded the place, updated the place. Flamingo and Paradise at Silver 7s. And of course, you can bet at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. But even better, open an account and then you can go in play and get some money down on all of the sports action tonight. Before we get into the football frenzy candy, uh, you mentioned having a Golden Knights future for the Stanley Cup. Are you involved on this series? Because there were some juicy numbers available in the past. I already made all of my series investments. Uh, I bet them at the beginning of the series at plus 180. I bet on them small after game one at plus 350. Nice. Um, I've already cashed two on the game spread at plus two and a half. First one I had to lay some serious juice on uh, after game one, but then I got plus money on it after game two. So I'm probably coming out ahead on the Golden Knights no matter what happens. Winners, 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 winners. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've got the Knights in the series at plus 350, plus 500. And then today I was like, man, you know what? I'll go with a little insurance with the abs for the series plus 300. Why not? Right? Look at you locking in profit. Football frenzy. Uh, not saying that I'm happy about this, but you know this was the worry for teams that were looking at Kyle Long, Howie Sun coming back off a layoff. The Chiefs landed Kyle Long, and he actually did suffer a lower leg injury. It doesn't sound like it's season-ending, but early news on this is that it is going to keep him out for a while, and he should be ready, should be ready for the regular season. So... You know, the Chiefs try to retool that line. They spent a lot of money on certain guys. And then in the case of Long, it's like, hey, we're going to try another reclamation project. I'm not even sure how much of a reclamation project it is for a guy coming off as much time off as he had because the issue was the guy couldn't stay healthy, right? And so he takes time off. He tries to come back. And maybe it's ultimately one of those things that you just work through in camp. And frankly, maybe for the Chiefs, it's a good thing this happened when we're talking about mini camp as opposed to training camp when you would be looking at him more likely to have to miss some time during the year. When he tweeted about it uh, after it happened today, he referred to it as just sort of one of those things. So I'm inclined to think that he'll be back. Uh, yesterday was, uh, once again, Offensive Player Day, and that was availability for the defensive players out of Raiders camp. But I know you thought it was pretty interesting what uh, Kenyon Drake, newest running back, was talking about. Listen to this here for the audience as uh, Drake is like, hey, we got a lot of weapons. Um, just adding another playmaker uh, that the defense will have to worry about. Like I said, creating those mismatches out the backfield or lining up out wide, uh, getting those coverage indicators, you know, whether it's man or zone, um, just being another playmaker, another weapon. Uh, when you have most of the guys to cover on the field, it, it stretches the defense real thin. So you got a guy like Darren Waller, who's obviously a, a red zone threat, uh, Henry Ruggs, um, Hunter uh, Winfro, just, you know, B. Edwards, like, just we have a, a lot of guys, especially everybody in this room, that can create mismatches and come out the backfield. It just 
it's almost like a, a you know pick your poison type of situation. So hopefully we can just execute and uh, you know let the chips fall where they may in terms of the playmakers making plays when they need to. Pick your poison, baby. Okay, I mean, some of those poisons are far more dangerous to the system than others. Like, you know, I mean, it, it, covering Darren Waller certainly feels like swallowing some rat poison. <laughs> um, but, you know, covering Brian Edwards after last year kind of feels more like I had a 4% beer. Like, it's a little poisonous to my system, but it's not really quite that way. I mean, I get it. You're going to mention Ruggs and mention Edwards, and those are the guys in the room. But if you're Kenyon Drake, here's the thing. You better be the most poisonous of all of them because you're the most questionable of all those signings. You're the guy who got a guaranteed two years more than $11 million as a guy who is essentially positionless, right? I mean, maybe he's a number two running back. Maybe he's a guy they split out. Who knows? I mean, we're putting a lot of faith in Gruden to be able to use a guy in a way that he's been at multiple stops before and he was available. So why was he available if he was that big a weapon that he can be used in that way? Because that's the weapon everybody in football is looking for right now, right? That's the weapon everybody wants to have. And I think Cliff Kingsbury would have been a coach to be able to take advantage of something like that. I hope for the Raiders' sake that that John Gruden is with Kenyon Drake. Solomon Thomas spoke yesterday. And he said, uh, you know, the, the guys realize how important it is to uh, get everything locked down with the vaccine so that they can return to normal. Uh, there are a lot of teams, Candy, around the league that are conflicted. We've seen the Bills players, several of them, be very vocal about it. They're like, we're not taking it. Uh, their GM came out and said uh, that, uh, hey, maybe we have to cut some guys, right? Um, kind of hold it over their heads. Bottom line here is, well, I, I keep, you know, I keep seeing, hey, this is a personal decision. If it is a workplace and there are certain parameters that allow you to get back to work in normal fashion, then you got to get cooperation. You got to get buy-in. Uh, we saw Sam Darnold say, "Hey, I need more facts." Montez Sweat from the football team said, "Need more facts." Uh, the Panthers are below fifty percent fully vaccinated. Niners, as an example, are fifty-two percent on the fully vaccinated scale. This is a really weird situation, and yet, to me, it comes down to leadership. That's what it comes down to. And where they just won a Super Bowl, Bruce Arians, I would say, you know, rules with an iron fist, but he really doesn't. He just rules, and you love what he said recently, right? Bruce Arians came out today after it had been discussed yesterday that Ron Rivera, the head coach in Washington, had done something that I think was extremely smart and brought in an expert to answer questions. Yep. He brought in someone who knows the science on the vaccines to try to talk to his players who are hesitant to take it. And the comments from Montez Sweat go to show that there's a lot of misinformation out there. One of Ron Rivera's own players, Montez Sweat, out there saying, well, I'm not going to do it until I need to treat it. Like, no, no, no. That's not the way this works, right? right? Like, we... We know that, that the, you and me and Ari, we're vaccinated. We got it so that we don't have to worry about getting the disease. But if you're Bruce Arians and they come down and ask you about Ron Rivera and they say, well, do you want to bring in an expert? And Bruce Arians just kind of smiled and took the question and said, I'm the expert. And they're like, well, what's your message to the team? He said, well, if you want to get back to normal, get vaccinated. Right. Like Bruce why, Arians. Why, why, why is this so hard? And you, if you want to work and we want to win, there are rules you have to cooperate. We have to get past the threshold, and then we can win football games. Or you can go on your little crusade in your cause, and we're not going to be a team. There's going to be a split in the locker room, and you're going to ruin the workplace. 
football, more than any other game that we talk about, is the game where coaches preach teamwork. Everybody's all in. Everybody's got to be rowing the boat the same direction. We hear all of those locker room speeches, and nowhere do we hear them with greater volume than in football. So where's the teamwork? I, so where's the care for the fellow man that Solomon Wilcox talked about earlier? It's not there. Yep. What if they give beers to the entire team? What if they get a lottery ticket? What if they get, you know, some free food? I I don't know. I The, the whole, hey, we have to incentivize, that one's bizarre to me. And I'll give you the other problem here. Well, I wonder if the NFL will come down on Bruce Arians behind the scenes and say, like, you can't say that. You know, you, you can't say they, you know, they, they, they should get or they have to get it. That's not right. Because some of the big, you know, bosses around the league are still tiptoeing around this. Uh, NFL, th- this is from the NFL PA side, right? So the medical director, Tom Mayer, said, quote, I'll say what our players say. They're grown-ass men. You give them grown-ass facts, and they'll make a grown-ass decision. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Darnold and Montez Sweat are – down with that even if they get the facts demora smith the director of the nflpa i think the only thing that we can do is make sure that all of our players have all of the information nobody should not have the information that they want i this is so skirting the issue why are they dancing around it candy you're passing the buck on to whom onto the teams all right well If we want to talk about an employer who is going to, in some ways, mandate or strongly incentivize that you get the vaccine, yeah, okay, I can can get into the idea that that employer needs to be there as a resource for information. But it's not just about the workplace. It's never just been about the workplace. This has been something that is impossible to hide from in day-to-day life in America. You can't walk outside without understanding vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And that is an issue that is personal responsibility on the players, that is personal responsibility to everybody else that they deal with day to day, not just to their teammates, not just for the rah, rah, go team. That's about everybody else that you deal with every single day. So, yeah, you want to get the facts about what it is and feel better about it for you, for your own body. Great. But that means you have to get the facts. So cut the crap with this whole grown-ass men making grown-ass decisions. Don't give these smart-ass quotes, all right? These smart-ass quotes minimize the whole thing. They minimize the fact that a half million people are dead. You want to give a smart-ass quote about that? Then you get your smart-ass out there and give them the information. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Candy, this is one of the topics I get really heated about. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I, this goes back to when I was a kid. Like, we're talking, like, mid-'80s. I've always thought college football, trying to put together a championship game or decide a national champion very much through voting, not leaving it in the kids' hands, is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Most sports, 
actually have a tournament at the end of the season and you know a good number of teams get to play it out on the field you control your own destiny so now we get some good news the cfp is considering going from four to 12 teams six qualifiers you know with the champs from six conferences six at large top four get a bye first round five to 12 is played on the home field of the higher seed it's an awesome idea and yet i hear people who are like no no what's the point there's only you know four deserving teams what does that even mean year to year here's booger mcfarland who is a former player which this is where i think it's shameful uh played at lsu played in the national football league now is a college and pro football analyst he was on with Greeny this morning on his TV show and started in on this whole idea, does not like the expansion of the CFP. I would just ask one question, why? Is it about money? Is it about greed? Is it about the kids? Is, is, is it about your satisfaction? Because we all talk about, hey, playing for a national championship should be tough. We want to take it out of the computer's hands, take it away from the BCS. Well, we did that. We have a college football playoff where 12 to 13 members sit in the room and you have the humans who vote on it and they decide which four teams should be in the playoff. That's why you just answered your own question. We have humans that vote on who deserves to compete for the national championship. You know what that means, Candy? Nothing has changed since I was a kid. And I'm old. I'm telling you, at 13 or 14, 12, I could recognize how stupid a system is that doesn't involve more teams and more kids playing football on the field at the end of the season to decide a national championship like we've got this all solved people decide who don't play right now who are old it's the eye test i mean it's 2021 we're still freaking doing this keep going booger it should be hard. Why are we continually trying to make the college football playoff easier? It's not for the kids' satisfaction. It's not for the school's satisfaction. It's for the satisfaction of everyone else, including myself, who covered the sport. That is ignorance, and I know he's not ignorant, or outright lying. What do you mean? Is it for the satisfaction of the kids? Yeah, in a large part it is. Candy, can you imagine going to play college football and every year you're at an elite program, right? And you lose, oh, my God, two games. And there's a good chance that you don't get to compete for a national championship. And in those two games, it came down to a play here, a bad five minutes there. And human beings are deciding, based on those small moments where you didn't play at your best, you're out of contention. What other sport thinks like this? Who else out there is like, hey, since they expanded the NFL and MLB playoffs and, you know, the uh, NHL and the NBA, ah, it just sucks. There's just too many teams. Really? Montreal kind of feels good right now about being one of the last teams in. I don't get this mindset. And everyone keeps saying, well, is it for the kids? Yeah, it's for the kids. A lot of it is. Talk to kids. When you go and you go to school, you work as much as you do playing college football, you want to be able to freaking play it on the field. And, and there's, there are not players. You can't convince me 
that there are players that finish on the teams that are whatever, you know, the fifth to the 15th best team in the country who look at the top teams and go, you know what, I'm, I'm just not as good as them. I can't get it done. We don't do that in college basketball, do we? We let teams in. You decide it. You control your own destiny. One last cut from Booger. If they change it from four to eight to anything other than four, they are making a mistake and they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Money, greed, and self-satisfaction is no reason to change it. And at some point, if, if you're the governing body, the Power Five, the NCAA, whoever the hell is governing the sport these days, because I have no idea, <laughs> ask yourself this. This is, a, this is still an amateur sport, isn't it? Oh, my God. Come on, dude. We're still holding on to that crap. NIL is coming. Billions are made off of college football. Let's deal with reality. Let's give more of the football players a chance to make a run at a national championship. This is like everything that's wrong with college football. College football has become the haves and have-nots, and it's not just because of money. It's because of freaking oftentimes predisposed opinions before the season because teams that are ranked 25th, 30th, you know, they have a magical season. You can't really move up. You can't be part of the elite. It's predetermined a lot of years. I just, I don't know, man. I'm not hearing what I want to hear from people who don't like the tournament because they don't talk about the kids and the competitors. And here's the thing. I would say, you never played sports. They did. Booger McFarland did. I just don't understand why you're telling college football players that you have an infinitesimal shot even if you're near perfect, you have almost no shot at competing for a national title because there are some human beings who are going to decide whether you deserve it or not. You don't get to actually play it on the field. That is stupid. That entire set of audio must have been sponsored by Rolled Gold. Though That was the worst pretzel logic that I've <laughs> ever heard from any human being who claims to have an idea what they're talking about. All right, let's just go one by one here. First of all, the idea that it's greed because it's expanding from 4 to 8 to 12, whatever the number is, what was it when they created the 4? Was that greed? How is it that 4 is the sanctified number for the national championship? How is it that 4 is the right number and 8 isn't and 12 isn't? Because it's arbitrary. Because it is 100% arbitrary. And if they had set up the system as 8 in the first place... Booker would probably like the eight. Instead, the four is sanctified in some way, and going and making it an expansion is about greed. Beyond that, let's have Booger go out on a college game day tour, and let's have him ask players from the top 20 teams in the country whether or not they'd like to play for the national championship. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How about, there are going to hey, be Candy, players let, out there who don't want to do this. Let me cut in, right? I'm sorry to... Step on your rant. I hate when, when people do this. But how about also ask the kids, do you actually believe that you have a chance to play for the national champion? Like, realistically, do you believe? The way the system's set up. If you're not Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, you know, Ohio State, LSU in many years, Oklahoma, why are we shutting down kids' ability to dream? It sounds cheesy, but, like, going and competing – you want to try to win championships, and everyone should have a shot, and you don't need to freaking shut it down to four teams. And the other thing on this is this belief, because we're in a zone right now where Alabama's a dominant program and Clemson's a dominant program. Things don't last forever. Things will change. 
with the transfer portal, more players are going to be spread to more schools. It's not always going to be this way. I just I hate in an area of competition where people are busting their ass on the field. We're telling them, you know, you really try hard, but you you don't really have much of a chance. That's bullcrap. I mean, I I saw a, a headline here, and I, I really like Barrett Salee. He works for CBS uh, Sports and also SiriusXM. The headline in his story, sadly, proposed college football playoff expansion puts the emphasis on access over excellence. Does it? And actually, isn't access really important? Access is important. The ability to go out and play for a championship and achieve at the highest level, even if you have a blip or two during the season, I just, this, we, we get so stuck in the now. And then don't examine how the games go all season, how close these games are, so many last-minute decisions. And, yeah, is, is some of this about money and making up for losses during COVID? Of course it is. I'm not an idiot. But if you cover college football, you go around the kids and tell them, hey, because of the name on your jersey, you're really never going to be worthy of playing for a national title. That ain't cool. Candy, your reaction? When we talk about college football and Booger wants to say things about, is this not still an amateur (laughs) sport? Who pays you to cover that sport? Where does the money come from for ESPN to pay massive rights fees to these schools? Well, this is not an amateur enterprise. It never has been. And the movement that we see all throughout the country is just highlighting that. So, yeah, it's an entertainment product. It's been an entertainment product for a long time. It's just that we're finally seeing it laid bare by COVID when we talk about the losses, when we had to hear about how is Madison, Wisconsin going to survive without six home games a year. Well, maybe we can start creating an actual economy around the games. An actual economy, an economy in which workers get paid for what they do, especially if we want to talk about the college football playoff, which is the most lucrative of all of these things. 364-1100, Let's get out to the phones, some reaction to the uh, CFP proposal going to 12 teams. Listen, I like football, so I want to see high-level football. I want to see playoffs. If you don't like football, I guess you can side with these guys who are like, it's all about excellence and, you know, only having four teams. And I want to see football, and I don't want to hear the argument like 12 can't beat five. That's the whole point of sports, being able to freaking dream. And also, you know, the kids get a chance to freaking fight to get in as a lower seed. You're going to have upsets. It is going to actually help balance out college football. Kids will feel like, hey, there's more schools that actually can get involved. They don't just have to go to freaking Alabama. Or Clemson, if I'm afforded the opportunity. Kevin is in with us here on Cofield and Company. Kevin. Hey, uh, thanks, you guys. I'm from Columbus, so I grew up with Ohio State football my whole life. And I actually know cats that were really good football players that would not go to Ohio State when the period of time was Ohio State was a little bit down. They wanted to go play for the team that won the national championship the year before. So if you're a dude from BYU and 
you want to stay there and play with your brothers, but you know you got no chance. You have no chance of being in a national championship game. You're going to go play for Alabama. So with the more teams that get in, the more it spreads out the talent, and it's better football. It's going to be better football no matter what. All right, Kevin, good call. Uh, more calls on the other side. We'll get to the fat pack, 364-1100. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes, and suddenly you're sighing sighs. You're thinking nothing's wrong, you string along, boy, then snap. Those eyes, those sighs, they're part of the tender trap. Fat Pack up. On a Thursday, Candy, Cofield, Ari. You know, we were joking earlier about the uh, the vax and now all the incentivization around the country. The first, it started with beer. It was beer and a shot in uh, states like New Jersey, and I think Massachusetts was doing it. Then that kind of spread everywhere. Then the, one of the first food promos we got hey get vaccinated get this food was mayor de blasio eating a burger which i thought was just scintillating just fascinating (laughs) has de blasio set off a firestorm now candy oh absolutely he has but not the one you're thinking about i mean you're thinking about all these free food options that you can get throughout the country like your Shake Shack and like your Krispy Kreme donuts, like you're thinking about all those things. What you're not thinking about is the fact that uh, de Blasio went out there today and tried to explain voting to people in New York by talking about how it's like ranking pizza toppings. Do you know what he said what his favorite pizza topping was? Oh, no. Hold on. So we got a guy who did the unthinkable fork and knife in front of a camera, mm-hmm. eating pizza with a fork mm-hmm. and knife. His favorite pizza topping. Mm-hmm. Ari, are you completely plain pizza topping? Or anti-pizza topping? Look at this guy stalling like? to think. No, I'm not. I'm busy. No, because uh, no, I'm actually No, using, I'm talking about I'm, Cofield. No, because I'm actually Ari. using, I'm using <laughs> Ari. I'm using Ari as a sounding board because whatever boring, weird That's choice fair. Ari comes up with, I think de Blasio will come up with. Yeah, no, I well, I will take peppers and onions, gladly. Or, or just cheese, like anything in that. And then past that, I mean, like, if there's a couple veggies on there, I don't know, I might be willing to deal with it, but that's about it. So right. peppers and onions, that's all I give you. All right. I don't mind peppers and onions. They're not top choices. I'm gonna, I am actually going to go. I'm going to go in the direction of the mayor of New York went rogue, and he had – God, did he have something lame or something? Anchovies. He went crazy. I think New York could have lived with anchovies. And here's my favorite part of that entire bit that you just did right there. You went to use Ari. You went to find out what does the most boring food man on earth put on his pizza. (laughs) And the answer was green peppers. It was right out there in front of you. You went for the answer, and then you didn't use the answer. Because I don't think anyone's as boring as Ari. 
Bill de Blasio is more boring than Ari. He's he's actually green. Green peppers was one. Number two was black olives. Oh no. Number three was sausage. Number four was mushroom. The most obvious pizza in the world is a sausage and mushroom pizza. And yet here he is out here talking about green peppers. Well, I'm green out. peppers on a pizza. I'm out on that sausage and mushrooms. <laughs> Don't ever bring up black olives as a top five ranker for pizza topping around Adam Hill and Von Tobel at the same time. It, that, that led to one of the most explosive moments in Cofield and Company history where I thought they were going to fight. Seriously fight. And then Adam Hill going down the path of, as a kid, I mean, everyone puts the black olives on their finger and eats it off their finger, and we're like, what are you talking about? What is, why? Dude, I, that, I, I'm still confused to the day. Disturbing. So, So he, how did this all start? Oh, oh voting. He yeah, tried he, to he, rank so he's trying to explain how topics. ranked voting works, right? Oh, okay. And then he makes a ha-ha funny, and he crosses out pineapple. Oh, pineapple on pizza. As though he even knows about the discussion that's been going around the last few months about that. But no. So he's the guy who, first of all, can't figure out how to troll Trey Young or eat a pizza. But now, maybe he did start something good. The idea of food for vaccines. Would you, would you, if someone offered you this deal where you got free Krispy Kremes, Every day till a certain day, right? You got your vaccination card, and you're walking into Krispy Kreme, and what you are doing, let's be honest here, you are solving one public health crisis <laughs> and then creating another by becoming a giant fatty yeah. by eating Krispy Kremes every day. Shout out Krispy Kreme in case you haven't gotten a free pub off this one yet. Um, are you willing to become a giant fatty to save the country? I mean, I thought that's what I was doing. Oh, I thought this was all about you. I, was, I, thought, uh, you, I, was, I, thought, I thought you were just kind of taking the Bruce Arians thing of, like, I want to get back to normal. But this is all, <laughs> this is all about you just deciding, I'm going to get fat to save everyone. I know that. I'm contributing to the economy and the reopening of our economy by, yes, by blimping up. It's all for you, America. Free My largesse is all for you. Free fries. Um, by the way, for for people who are out there, like, you know, in February trying to find a way to the front of the line, can we get a lottery, too? Can, like, can, can those right? of us who are, like, right out there at the front get some sort of lottery? Like, hey, um, I did it when you asked me to. Can, <laughs> is that. there an incentive yeah. out there for me? Like, can, can you – I'm just going to throw out something and hope it manifests itself out in the world. Can there be, like, a free Lucille's rack of ribs for for people who went out there and got the vaccine out front? This this probably drives people nuts because it does sound like virtue signaling. But it, like, have you have you thought it through? You're like, uh, at least one person has won a million dollars in Ohio because they did they did what we did. But like, I I just did it. Get back to work. Make sure I'm safe and everyone around me is safe. I didn't need a chance at a million dollars. Now would it be nice? Can we have like, can we have some sort of retro? Lottery for those of us who got it before a certain date? Yeah, I think you should be able to show money. your Vax card and say, hey, I got it before, I don't know, pick a date. Whenever, whenever uh, our laggard over here, Ari, finally got his second one, we can pick that, make that the cutoff date. April 17th. The cutoff is April 16th. You have to have gotten your second vaccine by April 16th, and then you can be part of the lottery. That seems early to me. 
Hmm. Mid-May. Okay. Everyone's in for mid-May. Mid-May. <laughs> Wait, hold before. on. I got to look, look up when I got my second one. Hold on. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm-hmm. Sorry, I'm doing Francesca. La, 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 la. Can you hum a little bit? Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. I don't need to look it up. I trust that I would be in for the uh, the retro prize. What, all right, what What do you want your prize to be? What's What's the prize? Pizza with green peppers? No. Okay. No. Well, then you can't go to New York. <laughs> is, that, is that Ari's prize, the pizza with the green peppers? Oh, yeah. Ari, 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 no, and, and the onions, because that sounds yeah. delicious. Ari, to put when some we, raw onion on a pizza. Mm. When, we grab this, this, uh, when we grab this prize from uh, Paniotovich, our gambling dude on Tuesdays, he said he's going to pay up for a nice pizza meal. You're you're getting what a slice on the side with your stupid peppers and onions. So you're not you're not putting that on our pizza. My first question is how come it's a jinx when I say it, but if you say it, it's all good. Hmm. Uh, number two, I am not part of this apparently. I, I'm part of it in spirit, but I believe the original bet was like I'll buy everybody on the staff some pizza except Ferrari. So well, no, then I then I actually <laughs> I corrected it and said Ari has accepted the bet and he will pay off our end ah. to Sam. So you are very much involved. Good you're on, you're, up you're, the o- you're the only one on the hook. Sounds about right. So save up, my friend. I got it covered. I've, I've been waiting for this. All right, we'll look at the Knights line against the Avs and uh, other numbers around this hockey game tonight and also get into some of the keys to the game. According to uh, Adam Candy, there's a guy who must perform better, better than he did in Game 5. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. The winners... Baseball today, Candy. Dodgers, minus 250. They were winners, winners, winners. Did you get a hold or uh, get a look at what Mookie Betts did today? Offense, did and, offense and defense. I did not because a Dodgers-Pirates game was not hmm. enough to grab my attention. What yes. happened? Uh, he slapped a dong out of the park. I'm and, sorry, what? No. And he also did, sorry, his best, I, I, did his best Roberto Clemente impression was when, that part uh, of the first thing? The, <laughs> the, the second inning, sinking line drive, mm. he catches it, twirls, throws home, and you could just see Eric Gonzalez, who was trying to score on the sack fly, because uh, Eric Gonzalez is an infielder, but he's kind of a big, lanky guy. You could see him about halfway to the plate. He's like, oh, my God, I'm dead. And he freaking he gunned him out at the plate. Imagine where the Dodgers go from here if Mookie Betts starts hitting like Mookie Betts. Right now the Dodgers are 12 over 500. Dodgers are 12 over 500. They've had an injury to Dustin May. They've had an injury to Tony Gonsolin, who might finally be back. They were without David Price for a while. They basically haven't had real Cody Bellinger for any length of time yet. Corey Seager is still out. And yet, here they are at the top of the division because... They are just that deep and just that good, no matter who is slapping dongs. And hometown guy, Ari, we're getting this guy on, right? Hometown guy, former CSN pitcher, 
Phil Bickford got the save. Julio Urias, ninth win in an era where starting pitchers don't always win games. Nice day for all of your Dodgers fan. Fine job. Uh, the NBA, we're just getting the uh, tip off now, a little delayed. Oh, no. It's already over. Uh, Milwaukee's out to a 7 nothing start. I would expect the Bucks to want to start quick against Brooklyn uh, about two and a half minutes in. So, Milwaukee up 7 nothing. We'll see. We'll see if the Nets, my Nets have some fight in them. I'm sure they do. This is rapidly becoming an in-game betting opportunity uh, because sooner than later, the Nets are going to be catching something like six or seven if this keeps up, and that's going to be mm. really attractive. All right. We talked about series betting with the Golden Knights in game six tonight, trying to close it out at the Fortress. Did you say you bet the game itself, tonight's game? Nope. Didn't bet the game itself. I will basically hold out at this point to see what happens tonight because I, I don't have anything to, to really lose tonight. If we get to game seven, I will probably uh, find a small hedge to make sure I come out of this with something, but... Uh, as for tonight, no. But I do think if you've had no other way into this, if you just are coming into this thing fresh, I mean, the Avalanche in some places are already out to what, plus 125? I don't know what the most current number is, but yeah. you know, uh, this is going to get to a point where you're still talking about the best team in the NHL that is in a desperate spot. Avs are uh, plus 125 here at William Hill Racing Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. Knights are 145. And keep in mind, the Avs had – sort of a tumultuous uh, mental day because for a little while it looked like they weren't going to have their head coach because of a COVID scare it turned out to be, again, in the NHL, a false positive. So the storyline on the Golden Knights side, I hate using the term loosely and repeatedly, must win. Is this a must win? Is there a fear that, hey, they can't go back and get another game? If they have to go to a game seven, they can't get another game at Ball Center or Ball Arena or whatever it's called? I'm not sure that that's the fear. But I do think this is what qualifies as a must-win game for this team. And the reason for it is when you have a team that is, even if slightly better than you, just slightly, you've got them down. You have every piece that you need to finish this team off tonight. You are playing the game that is going to do it. Because what happened to the Golden Knights in Game 5 is that they finally played the game that those of us who scream about analytics have been waiting for them to play. A game where they don't dominate puck possession. A game in which the Corsi 4 and the expected goals 4, they're all against them. Colorado did everything right in terms of the things that the Golden Knights always do right. So the Golden Knights came out and they won the kind of game they needed to win. What happens if you get... Colorado coming back up off the mat. What happens if all the things that you've been able to do right to them, to take away their speed, to take away that top line, what if game six is the game where they find that little glimmer of hope? This isn't about the plucky underdog. This is about you've got them down. Mm -hmm. And you have to finish them while they are down. This is Mortal Kombat fatality. You've got to finish them right here where they are. Because once it goes to game seven, how many differences are there? How many differences are there between these teams? There really aren't, and that's what's scary. What if I boil it down to just something real simple? If Flurry does what he did the last three games, they're good to go tonight. 
which part of what Fleury did the last <laughs> three games, Steve? Because Don't worry about the knuckleball shuffleboard slider that went between his legs, and don't worry about the buzzer beater at the end of the first period in game five. Ignore those. Uh, but, uh, shout out anyone who ever vacationed in Florida or on a cruise ship with the shuffleboard reference. Very no, no, nice. actually, the, shuffle, the, the actual shuffleboard reference I'm, I'm mentioning, you're right, like traditional shuffleboard. I'm also talking about the, uh, the little pucks at the bar. Oh, yeah, doing, oh, like, yeah, yeah. That oh, I love of, that's, those. That's the way that puck, like, oh, yeah. you know, you, you would think it, someone was gunning it at Flurry, and that's what Flurry thought, and all of a sudden it goes flutter right through his legs. Yeah, you get, you get that, uh, you get that uh, shaker cheese and get yeah. some of that down on the table and get those pucks moving. That's what Marc-Andre Fleury was seeing coming toward him. Look, you can only get so much credit as Marc-Andre Fleury for bailing yourself out of your own mess. And it was a mess that Marc-Andre Fleury put the Golden Knights into. That goal at the end of period number one in game number five looked like it was going to be the end of the Golden Knights. And then Marc-Andre Fleury helped them out of the mess he created by standing on his head which is a required phrase when talking about hockey and goaltenders, standing on his head for two and a half periods and helping the Golden Knights get back into the game. But I'm going to tell you what right now, as good as Marc-Andre Fleury has been for this team over time, uh, he's got to be better tonight. He really does ultimately have to be better for this team because if you look at where the Golden Knights are right now through five games of this series, uh, he's been outplayed by Grubauer. Uh, save percentage for Grubauer, 915. Save percentage for Fleury, 899. Um, ultimately, in the end, Philip Grubauer can't be all that close to Marc Andre Fleury, right? It, it just in the end, he can't be the guy who plays similarly to Marc Andre Fleury. Marc Andre Fleury has to be better for this team. And I don't think you get another reprieve on a goal like you let in in Game 5. That happens again, and I think Colorado's going to win this game tonight. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles.